Hello, everyone, and welcome to your Uncle's Beach House, episode 66. I'm Jackson. I'm joined by M as usual. It's comics. It's comics. Yeah, it's comics. It's comics. Uh, we're joined by a guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I am uh, Chris. I also go by casters on the Discord when I post there, which is very rarely. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, that's, it's legal. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, what have you brought for us today? What are we watching? Well, we're not watching it. Well, it's, we did watch one thing. You know what? I'm going to stop talking. What did you brought for us? <laughs> I've brought the uh, six-volume graphic novel series, Scott Pilgrim, written by Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, these are uh, originally published by Oni Press. They came out between 2004 and 2010. Um, which is when the movie came out. We also watched the movie, the Edgar Wright film starring Michael Sarah and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, a bunch of other people who are now very famous. Um, and uh, so I read these comics in like the lead up to the movie, which means I saw the movie somewhere between having read like volume five and then seeing the movie and then reading volume six, which is a ridiculous way to I- ingest the story of Scott Pilgrim. That's ludicrous. <laughs> but I've always been a huge fan. I really like the comics. I didn't revisit the comics basically since then. Um, but the movie is like the last movie I saw like four, four or five times in the theater, like back when I used to do such ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. Um, loved it. Uh, huge yeah. fan. Um so I was really excited to do this one. I was like, oh, th- you know, I bet I bet Scott Pilgrim holds up all right. Um, I feel like it gets unfairly derided as uh, as being guilty of the things the comic's about talking about. <laughs> uh, um, yes. I mean, like, in a, in, a, in, a, in a post Ready Player One world, it is easy to look back on something like Scott Pilgrim and just, like, assume it's shitty. Yeah. Um... I guess in brief summary, if you have not seen or read Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim is about the titular character, Scott Pilgrim, who's a Canadian. He's in his early twenties. What is he? 24, 23, 23 in the comic book. Yeah. He is a layabout without a job. He's living with a roommate who uh, lets him just like live in his one room Toronto apartment with him um, and kicks him out whenever he brings guys over. Um, Wallace, we'll talk about Wallace. He's great. Um, uh, he's he's been in a bad, meandering relationship with basically every woman he's ever met, um, because he's a loser and sucks. Um, yes. And, uh, the comic opens on him dating a. He had a big blow up with like a, his big ex, who was he went to college with, and they were like best friends, and then became a couple, and then she got famous. Um, changed her personality, moved away, got famous, and he had a whole breakdown. Now he's dating a high school girl named Knives Chow, who's Chinese. And goes to a Catholic school and all the other things. Um, and everyone hates him for it because it's a shitty thing to do. Um, and he's not even like being scummy. He's being a coward. He's only cho- chosen this because it's the least threatening thing he can think of. Um, and uh, he runs afoul of a, an American delivery girl who moved to Toronto named Ramona Flowers. Um who got away, who was getting away from her own bad breakup and they hook up um, and he has to break it off knives after they've already hooked up and does is a coward about that. And it caused a bunch of drama. And Rona has seven evil exes that have formed a sort of league of villains who are coming to beat up Scott Pilgrim. If she wants, if he wants to date her. Um, and so the volumes start with him fighting one of the evil exes, a bunch of relationship stuff. Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley originally pitched this as being half a battle manga like Dragon Ball Z and half a like slice of life 
romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> I, I believe in the pitch, he cites Ranma as like that half of it, which is very funny to me because uh, I have not read Ranma, but I, my perception of Ranma is that it's already doing both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's um, what's face? Uh, yeah, Rumiko Takahashi. Takahashi, yeah, uh, who's already just like always doing uh, both, yes. kind of straddling those lines. Um, but yeah, that's like the rough pitch. Uh, yep. It is known for being like a but full of full of like. Very, it's weird because like you, you think like, oh, it's like oh, it's about twenty something. It's full of like video game and anime references. It's just everything that's like really obnoxious now that we live in the Disney monoculture. But this came by it so much more honestly. I I cannot overemphasize how rare it was to have someone who grew up with this shit writing about very specific references in two thousand four, like through the through the odds. This is like sitting a kid from today down and having to explain to them that. Clarks was a big deal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it was a big deal. Yeah. No yeah, one was I mean, no one was shouting out the baseline to Final Fantasy 2. He means 4, but you know, we all know it's fine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the the references that are in the comic, they don't even stand out the way like references in modern like media do. Yeah. It all feels more natural within the story. It's really funny because I think the movie does such a worse job with the reference mm-hmm. stuff, and it is very like, oh look at look at this brand we got in uh, stuff in a way that's very uh, jarring. <laughs> we'll talk about the movie near near the end. I think I try not to do a whole bunch of that. We should mostly talk about the comic because uh, this comic's still really good. I yep. was flabbergasted how much I still enjoyed it. Um, I think I think the like romantic drama stuff is infinitely better than the battle manga stuff which i think starts good but i think brian leo malley's interest just he stops caring about it where literally like one of the the one of the battles against like the twins is literally happening as an aside as the other characters are having a much more important discussion <laughs> yes. yeah after after the fourth volume the there's basically no battles yeah. scott pilgrim's fighting these robots off to the side while ramona and kim are just talking mm-hmm uh, yeah, that um, was that's kind of how I felt as well. The uh, relationship stuff was so much better than the battle stuff. I wish it was just kind of played more straight. But I know if it was, it wouldn't have become like a big smash hit. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, you had not read this before. You'd seen the no. movie, Jackson. So yeah. How did I, you find it? I saw the movie. Um, this is a very strange experience because I'm very old now. And I watched the movie when I was 16. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, oh, you were like knives. I was like knives. Well, <laughs> you didn't even know there was good music when you were sixteen. Some might say, <laughs> "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> I, was, I was, I was in a, I was in a band, and not, I, I saw Scott Pilgrim in Croydon with the, um, uh, with my high school girlfriend who I just started dating, but I, but like her friend was someone who the year before I had like had a break okay i never dated her but i got roped into pretending to date her and had a break it was a weird thing i had like a weird fucking plot happen to me over msn while i was kind of not being a scott like coward high school high school school, right like yeah it was it was like someone said they were dating me i was like okay but then i didn't like make out with them enough or ever i was too scared so they broke up with me i thought okay uh and then someone else was like well date me instead i was like okay and i was like i heard you were cheating on me i was like i've done nothing but respond to some kind of aggressive messages uh so anyway (laughs) that i'm like living the fucking high school plot that is the scott pilgrim milieu while i when i go see it but like as a 16 year old 
uh, and rather than a 23 year old when it's a little more heightened and embarrassing to be doing that in your 20s oh it's um, so much more heightened and embarrassing to be doing that in your 20s yeah uh, i got out of that life when i was 18 um already reached my ending of the comic my, my ending of the comic forming a band with uh uh kim is starting a normal mapping but in a much less depressing way <laughs> yeah but uh so i'm in i'm like I'm, I'm there i'm in it and i watched it at the time i was like damn this speaks to many things in my life and now i watched it and when read it i feel so old i feel so fucking old oh my god i feel old reading this uh but i mostly really liked it uh that it was definitely emotionally turbulent in a way that most things aren't because um they just don't speak to any you know i, I don't get relatable and stuff uh, and it wasn't like this was related, that relatable because I was not that, like I didn't really have that many like partners in high school or go through the kind of stupid crises here. Uh, but it definitely made me feel old. <laughs> um, but I mostly just really like the comic. I I, I just wish that the uh, there was less battles. I, I think when it's being a straight slice, slice of life manga, uh, it's better. Uh, I read you know I, I'm reading one of them right now. When's the next volume of a uh... Even if we're adults coming out, I need to go read, read that as soon as it's out. Um, and it's just a milieu I prefer to the uh, Shonen Battle stuff, which I yeah, think... Yeah, good it... news about the rest of uh, Brian Lee O'Malley's comics history. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> he like... He clearly realized that was not what he wanted to do and mostly writes dramas about messy people. Well, to the point where, like, because the Slice of Life stuff is so good, the um, the battle stuff ends up just kind of feeling a little weird and often... It often, like, drags... He kills! uh what's her face envy's boyfriend in front of her and but it's it, todd and it has to be like a joke about it because it's still in the bit where like other battles really happening we're not treating them with a real emotional resonance but he does die and exit the story um and it just it handles it mostly well i think but uh it's still I, the weird way, i like the shift. way they get out of that by having todd already have cheated on envy and she knows that so she's mostly beat up about the fact that she once again is alone with nobody who understands her other than her old ex who she doesn't like yes and has to readdress like not knowing who she is and like none of her like denouement of being kind of sad in a hoodie figuring out what's going on with her life is about todd because fuck todd nobody fuck todd, todd. yeah um <laughs> yeah but so i watched the movie in and i liked it at the time and reading this now, I was like, man, they just didn't put any of the story in the movie. Um, <laughs> like, you get to volume two. Like, volume one's pretty straight adaptation because it's literally a third of the movie is just volume one. Um, and then you, the second you get to even volume two, it, it gives you flashbacks and, like, stories about what was going on in high school with him and Kim and um, the blonde one. Uh, what's her name? Lisa. Lisa, yeah. yes. Uh, and all of them going back and forth. Uh and all the characters are so much more precisely drawn and have like histories uh the ways in which everyone kind of um drifts into their own thing while scott continues to be fucking scott pilgrim is really good the um, only character that may like is a person actual character that makes it completely unaccosted is wallace Wallace, who is just that man to a t perfectly throughout <laughs> true to himself Never, never has lived an unauthentic moment. I love Wallace so fucking much, and everyone does. You know, you know, like he's he's drawing the first bit right where he's it's Wallace at home and he's introducing it. He knows he's got a hit. He knows that Wallace is a breakout character from panel one, and he's correct. He's so good. Everyone loves Wallace. Wallace just constantly giving Scott shit, uh, but then whenever like. Whenever he is put to it, is like relentlessly cheerleading 
um, and supportive in his own burnout way. Um, it's good. I love. It's just lifted from the best part is like all the Wallace lines are like most of the best lines in the in the movie are just lifted from the comic. Comics full of quotable lines when he's standing out there berating Scott for going to a high school to pick up his girlfriend as she gets off school to walk her home. Um, Knives comes out as like, oh, do you do you want to know who my class is gay? After he's been saying, don't do this, this is all evil. You shouldn't be standing out here. You're shady. He's like, yes, does he wear glasses? <laughs> the most, uh, I I know I knew guys like this in high school and college. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I have a specific person in mind who is like my Wallace Walls, and he is exactly like this. Uh, yeah, beautiful stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I I really like the comic. Um, I ended up. Uh, Mixed on some things, like I said, the uh, I think the Sharon stuff is not as good, and uh, the ending is a little. Um, I just think the Gideon stuff isn't great uh, in both the movie and the uh, and the comic, especially by the comic, because the comic really doesn't care. By the time it reaches Gideon, it's so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> completely ceases to care, but it has this massive plot thing it has to handle. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I had a, I had a really good time. Uh, yeah, the the comic at least understanding that Gideon only matters to Ramona and doesn't actually matter to anyone else, I think, is good in a way that the movie doesn't really capture in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, you, you Scott ahead. Scott really has to fight him, and you know, it's about like understanding that he's fighting for him and not for Ramona. But like the actual story of this is Ramona also is someone who is like ru- constantly running from things. Scott is her knives child, right? Yeah, um, and she has to understand that like everyone in her life is people and she can't just do the easy thing. And she has to confront the things that like are bad in her life. And so it's like about her confronting Gideon in like a way the movie just can't do. Like she does that a little bit and literally gets tossed for knives and Scott to have a moment. Uh, yeah. The uh, comic ends with, with Ramona and Scott doing the like X slash from Chrono Trigger, not in the movie. Yeah. I mean, so here's the other thing is that while there are a bunch of video game references, um, Edgar Wright has never seen like read a manga, doesn't really know anything about Japan other than some video games that made it over here. Um, yes. So the, all the re- the references feel just like dramatically different between the two forms. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite bits in the comic uh, is that so the plot is it's like a year in Scott's life, and at the end he's turning twenty four, Knives is now eighteen, everyone's moving on. But it's not. It's not a year. It's been. He's been making it for six years, and you feel the six years in the co- like. It's not. It's not a year. This is not a comic about a year. This is a comic about a decade, um, because the text of the comic fades away. And one of the ways that like shows this is the sixth volume begins with him playing a PSP Go. A PSP Go. <laughs> the original PSP was not out when the comic started. Yeah. Um, and it just it just collapses time in a way of like, damn, this started. The world was different. The world that Scott Pilgrim was referencing as it started the comic was just a different place and he's a different guy now uh and i think the ways in which um the like literal text of the comic and the time space happening fades away to just allow uh this to be a you know cultural thing that is like reminiscing on the time period in brian lee o'malley's life and also just wider nerd culture i guess is good i think it's really good the uh that final volume and just like ennui of all of it (laughs) i really like the bit where knives having gone through her arc she became uh like a stalker for a little bit and tried to kill ramona and now she's normal and they had a whole talk about like we were both cheated on by scott and it sucks but you know we're not gonna like stop being friends with him or care because we're messy kids um and she's it's like knives child 18 years old she's just cool she's cooler than everyone else in the comic um 
got her shit figured out and then scott's like well now that you're legal do you want to make out and they do once and they're both like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to either of us <laughs> it's such a good page <laughs> In- including us the readers yes <laughs> nobody likes it and i i really like like firmly putting a knife in like no these two were never meant to be uh forget it don't think about it no one wants this <laughs> edgar i should have kept the original ending of the movie <laughs> you want to talk about that briefly it's so bad well the original ending of um uh the movie is that he gets back with knives which is insane <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> unhinged and like three months before they reshot it so he stays with ramona to be like more like the comic but it's it's nothing actually like the comic um it's- no the movie the movie's last 20 minutes are all about scott and knives being perfect for each other and then she's like uh go run after him or, uh, go run after her because uh that's how the comic ends it's really strange because like the movie's trying to do i know we said we would wait on the movie but <laughs> it lives it's too impossible. long it's impossible yeah the movie's trying to do the classic like Oh, it's not the the girl you wanted, but it was the one, the girl next door that was the one there all along uh, that you ignored. But that's not what, that's not what Knives Chow is. <laughs> she, he's, she's like the weird, uh, like, the high school girlfriend that he's using in evil ways. It, it's like the symptom yeah. of all his the, cowardice. The comic, the comic does have that where he and Kim go off into the wilderness and he kisses Kim and Kim's like, no, what the fuck are you doing? Stop putting this on me. It's your shit. You deal with it. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the movie, um cutting out kim i think is genuinely like one of the like, that's the emotional center of that stuff of like the old scott yeah. that was a uh you know the, the things he took for granted and things he actually should be paying attention to is kim and i think the way that they're resolved in the comic is really good because uh kim's my favorite character obviously that's obvious from who i am <laughs> uh i mean she's probably like i love wallace Wells, but like kim is where it's at <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Wallace was the funniest, mm-hmm. the, like, the best character that I enjoy to read the most, but Kim yes. has the most emotional resonance as the one who's stuck around but doesn't have, like, drama. No, Kim's, no one's dating Kim, right? And having, like, a fucking battle royale over Kim. Kim hooks up the, with knives in the comic in a way that is so good, because they just do it, they just get drunk and make out one time. It's like one drunken thing. You, the, the comic is not even, like, does not even reveal if they remember that it happened. <laughs> but it's fucked Scott up royally. <laughs> It's re- I think the comic is so good about framing the like actual romantic stakes be- better because whenever it does, like, it has so many digressions where someone briefly dates someone else or drifts apart to do some other thing and none of it really matters because they're still high schoolers but they're in their early 20s because it definitely has the vibe of these people have not stopped the high school college way of living, right? But it's a couple years yeah. after uh, and you see some of them start to settle down and grow up and stop living like this. Uh and Scott's the one that takes the longest. <laughs> yeah, and it all happens outside of Scott's view. Yes. Like, yes. everything that happens in the last few chapters is, like, sprung on Scott because he hasn't been paying attention to his friends. He's just been isolating himself completely. Oh, the part where Steven's, like, so fucking gay for, like, four volumes and Scott doesn't <laughs> realize till, like, the last 20 pages? It's good. Um um yeah no uh the the thing that i like i like about kim, and again just comparison to the movie like the thing with kim where she's leaving like she's like i'm done with this all this drama in toronto sucks i'm gonna go back home where it's like quiet and chill um <laughs> and leaves and scott like sees her off at the bus stop and he he's like i'm sorry for everything and she she's like yeah i've heard that like she she accepts it but in like the most like i've heard this a thousand times way and then scott's like i'm sorry for me and it's the first time he's ever apologized for being like this and she smiles and gets on the bus and is like, yeah, it's good. 
Um, watching that line be like shoved into the middle of like a rapid fire sequence in the movie is like so disappointing. <laughs> I mean, the whole like um, power of self-respect thing in the movie is so bad. Uh, I think it's indicative of uh, uh, like a real misunderstanding of what makes the comic good but in the very like of course a hollywood uh movie would do this because it's not uh you you thought you were fighting for the girl but you're really fighting for yourself but self-respect is not scott pilgrim's fucking problem (laughs) the idea like that plot that plot exists and it's all on envy in the in the final volume because like she's there performing in her weird metallic moth costume and has to like shed envy and be nat again to be normal the, the very idea that Scott's... Pro- that you could read the first four... Vo- I don't know what... I think it was four volumes out when they were writing the script, right? But like you could read Scott Pilgrim and think, you know what his... You know what thing he needs? He needs to just respect himself. Just, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he, can, he can stand to respect himself a little less. <laughs> he needs to fucking listen to people, which is why it's the power of understanding in the comic, because the comic understands what Scott Pilgrim's character is. Um... I will say the one the one thing I think the movie genuinely does better is uh, young Neil's ascendancy <laughs> just in the background of the movie. He's so funny because uh, every time Scott's like running off to do something, which is not necessarily in the comic in the same because the comic gets really wrapped up into their recording an album and it's taking months and everyone's really mad because they don't play music anymore. Um, but in the comic, it's just every time Scott runs off to be with his girlfriend, young Neil's taking his place to literally to the point where Scott's like, I'm making a stand. We're not siding with the villain. And young Neil's like, I know all your parts. I'm doing better than you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I love the bit where young Neil's the one up there at the end. Uh, the part where, so this movie has a bit in the movie where they, they give like knives an emoji face and it's like a, like iconic shot. They don't give young Neil the full like chibi water eyes when Scott finally calls him Neil for the first time. And I think it's like the biggest mistake in the movie. <laughs> There's no, there's I think no it's like one eyes. of the best shots in the comic where he's like, you're now Neil, and it's like the happiest day of his life, and he's got the big watery puppy dog eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of like... The comic's really, the comic's really good at being a comic. Uh, yes. Another thing is that so many of the gags are just classic stuff from, you know, influenced by gag manga uh, that is just good. The bit where he says, um, what website... Amazon.ca. What's the website? Uh, uh, Amazon.ca. Amazon.ca. And they adapt it shot for shot in the movie, uh, but in the comic, because of how you know it's separated through space, not time, you get a full block panel of Wallace like dot 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 thinking, "What is the website for Amazon.ca?" Before he replies, and it's just so much funny. You just it's just one of the things the comics are really good at. Yes. Yeah, it's just. Uh... Very funny comic throughout. I, I'm sad Ni- uh, Knives' dad also didn't make it. I love the bit with him. Oh, it's yeah, because I'm sure Edgar Wright would have handled that really well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're right, but uh, it's funny. Yes, I mean... It's good, because like, that stuff all gets roped into... He has two like ninjas trying to kill him at the same time and doesn't know which one's attacking him at any given time. Because uh, Roxy and Knives' dad are both like after him, kind of at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, uh, the amount of stuff cut out of the movie, like, out of the movie, is crazy. I don't know; you couldn't fit it in a movie. I don't know no, no, what no. I would do if mm-hmm. I was tasked with with doing this. But like the the whole arc about him having to move out and move in with Ramona because Wallace is 
twenty twenty five and doesn't want this fucking bum living with him. Um, <laughs> He's and... moving somewhere else. The whole bit where they have to go to their landlord and be like, "Yeah, we've skipped on the rent a bunch. Could we still keep the place?" He's like, "No, absolutely not. Get out." Uh yeah, and um, that... getting a job all gone. Scott getting a I job. Yes. Yeah. It, it gets doesn't... a job, gets fired, gets the job again because they don't. They didn't hire anyone else. <laughs> I just think the real the real life stuff is. Uh, mm-hmm the heart of the comic and it's just not present at all I mean, like, scott not having to get a job is such a big hole in the movie and i think that the uh, the band plot is really bad in the movie comparatively um because i think while the neil stuff's good the idea that like this is genuinely a band that could get a label deal is crazy the idea that anyone <laughs> really cares about the band is just not true and never was they like playing music together i i love the ways in which the band starts out and it's like this little band because I-, I was in a similar band uh, you know, we were around for three years and then all went off to uni and stopped playing, like every band in history. Um, and the the way in which it fizzles out because he's recording this album forever and will no longer actually play live because he's got a crush on this boy that's doing the producing, uh, I think it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite subplots in the whole thing because it just fizzles into nothing and he hooks up with the guy instead and he's working at a shitty uh, burger place the whole time. Um, no one has a fu- no one has a job in the like a couple people have a job at the coffee store but the part where like all of these people who are in bands and doing cool things and going to shows and being young people just have to go work at the fucking burger store in the day because they've all got to work retail because that's what it is to have a job uh is all it's all gone and i think it's a massive hole uh yeah I do like that his sister is like the one person i heard and ramona i guess ramona has like a fancy job though uh, where she's like a subspace courier but um Stacy is working at the coffee shop is good. Yes. Um, no, they don't include the gag. Uh, the comic has where he, he's he asks he's like, "Are you working?" and goes in and he Scott forgets that every coffee shop is not the same, <laughs> even though they all look the same. <laughs> goes to like at one where she's not working. He goes to the one and Knives has got a job there. Yeah, Scott's an idiot. Doesn't know anything. All Starbucks lead to the same place. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, it's good because um, like Ramona's like Ramona's patience with hanging out with this weird friend group and like trying to deal with everyone's drama is um, is like one of those things that like in the comic makes sense because she's like trying to run away and this is like nice and pedestrian um, as opposed to her New York sitting literally at the like lap of a guy in a throne nonsense um, and uh, there's just something about like Ramona's like patient and like open um, in the comic that is not um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is too cool compared to the rest of the people they cast. The, the comic does not frame um, Ramona Flowers as like this unique, most perfect woman in the world. Like Scott's got a crush on her, right? But it's not like in the party in the movie, she's the only one with like, you know, uh, pink hair. Everyone else is looking boring. Literal otherworldly presence in this yeah. society. Yeah. Um, Whereas she's just a girl in the comic, uh, and she just kind of hangs out with the group, and Scott's got weird drama. The thing about that I like is that like being otherworldly is given to Envy as a choice she made one day where she sold all her nerd shit and bought cool, expensive boots, right? Yes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's an alias you can put on if you want to be famous, and she went off and was famous in a way that Scott is never going to choose to be. Um, and, like, it, was, it didn't go well for her, but, like, that's a thing you can choose to do. Um and Ramona's just not that character. Like, she's exotic because she's American and Scott's weird and was looking for someone to put 
being infatuated on, but that's it. Like she's just normal. She's just sitting there and everyone else is very normal to Ramona in a way I think it's really funny. I, I just think like flashback to the really bad Manic Pixie Dream Girl discussions, right, in the late aughts. Yes. Um, no, I just don't think the comics got any of that really in it. Like Ramona's just a character in the, the like this like ensemble of characters. I do think the movie definitely plays the movie that, plays is that yeah. all the way in there. Like that's, yeah. that's why that's in the thing. But it it was surprised me how little that was a factor in uh in in the book like the dream the she is literally in my dreams is just like a joke about the subspace thing yes um, and the movie keeps hammering hands like is she your dream girl is she the one and no one asked that question in the comic because it's a stupid question to ask uh and yeah i just think it's a it, it puts ramona on more even footing with everyone else much more of a character uh yes which is also what you get when you have um you know uh thousand five hundred pages whatever it is. <laughs> to do yes instead of a two-hour <laughs> movie of, yeah, two you're movies. correct um, that has to have six big fights in it yeah uh no you're not wrong fights in the movie are good though man they really go all out for the action stuff i think it really works because <laughs> like they've got they've got the actual actors in a lot of instances on wires doing stuff that they normally would not do and i think it like the CG is used relatively sparingly. Um, it's just nice. It, it like is an act. It's like they they brought in the, the stunt corners to make fights good. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 mostly shot normally until like because after this he would make um, uh, the world's end, which has its fight scenes like in these disorienting one shots uh, that I think are terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, this is a much more normal uh, movie in that sense. Even in 2010, like, it feels like it's deliberately trying to be, like, traditional about how it shoots a lot of its, like, blocking of, like, battles and stuff. So when it gets weird, it is distinct, right? Mm-hmm. You You have to have, like, my favorite shots, like, right at the beginning where they're having breakfast and it's, like, Scott Thorne's doing a high schooler, is shot like a 90s movie. Like, in the lighting and, like, the blocking. And it's just wild because the rest of the movie, like, rapidly changes how that is. Um because it's just lit in a different way than everything else and just looks very sedate. And then they play the music and all the color separation happens. You're like, oh, this is like doing, a, this is, these are like deliberate choices. They're just not what I think of when I think of like big Hollywood movies uh, going forward in the like mid to late aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get like the big battle of the bands where it's just two CG monsters fighting each other. And I'm like, uh this could be cut out this is the worst part of the manga <laughs> and it's the worst part of the movie nobody needs any of this i mean, literally seat filling i mean like the even in the uh the book the whole device of the twins is like i'm done with these fucking battles oh my god <laughs> um in so uh did you read you read the colorized versions jackson yes yes i read the colorized yeah versions. so in the colorized versions uh which we looked at there's a bunch of back matter that like is yes. like design sketches and initial pitches it's really actually fascinating if you have not checked yeah. those out at least read the back matter of those um in the initial pitch he lays the whole thing i was like oh seven evil x is going to lead up to gideon we i i anticipate this being uh, obviously seven volumes makes sense we could do it in six or less because we could change things up a little bit uh immediately already giving yourself the out of like i don't really want to write seven of these that's a lot of manga uh yes <laughs> Um, what, seeing that initial pitch and being like this he just did it he's laid out the thing he's going to do and it took him six years but he did just make the thing exactly it's like damn great I love it 
he he fucking nailed it. It was, it was yeah. <laughs> he did exactly the thing he wanted. It was it was it was really good finishing the book because I finished it and I checked the Wikipedia page and literally on the book he he said uh, on on the page it was like yeah I liked it. Uh, the ending was okay. Like I think the stuff with the um uh the characters worked really well. Not sure about stuff with getting in the glow, but people people seem to like it. It's not like I can change it. And I'm like, well, you done my fucking job for me. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff with getting in the glow isn't as good as the emotional stuff. I could tell you didn't care as much. You're you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> it was just nice to see someone was like deep awareness about the thing they made. It's really funny because I think all like the thing that makes the comic good is that he starts writing it probably not that like basically just coming out of being like Scott is right. Like yes. he, he was also in lay about like early 20 something figuring it out doing indie comics in canada like he in the background he's like yeah my first signing i, I you know i went to this local comic shop and nobody came and it was weird oh <laughs> uh, it was kind of depressing and by the end he's like designing movie posters and going to comic-con right like it, it blows up over the course of the comic happening um yeah. but um because he's someone who's like just that age when it's happening um by the end of the comic he, he has written really concisely and compassionately about someone realizing that you used to be a shitbag and have have gotten over yourself just a little bit. You're like a little better. Everyone understands that everyone harms each other and we do our best to work through it and have compassion. Um, but he hasn't gotten far, far enough away from the next step to have anything to say about it. Like uh, the comic comes to understanding that Ramona and Scott are basically like have the exact same problems. They express differently, but they both hurt people in kind of the same way because it's born out of like fear and a, like a lack of self-understanding but he like he doesn't know what's next he doesn't have anything to say about it so they just kind of hold hands and go i guess we're gonna do this yeah, we'll <laughs> and i think figure it's like, it out yeah yeah i think it's really beautiful to watch someone try to process their own present in a way where it doesn't it has no conclusion because he doesn't have one yet <laughs> um it's like and it, it makes the story like feel kind of unfulfilling but in a way that like i'm like yeah you're like relatively early in your career you're allowed to have a story that doesn't end very well because you're too close to it now still i think it's like very charming in the way that it doesn't cohere right at the end uh yeah like i i i, I think the ending's mostly really good like i say i love the stuff where he's hanging out with kim starting that mm-hmm. new worst band that's just the two of them. it's not even a band it's a bassist and a drummer they're never um, going to perform they're just going to hang out and play music together yeah uh and it's just really good it, the, the moving back home stuff it's just good i really liked it all um yes i th- i think the like final i just think the final page doesn't ring true if the, if the ultimate thing i don't be- when he's like oh we're gonna me and ramona we're gonna figure it out i, I like there's definitely a sense of like because this comic is um about this relationship it just can't let it go <laughs> uh also feel- he's not he's he does he doesn't have the like this could be the graduate ending right <laughs> right but it's not because he's too in it um i don't think the graduate ending would work either i, I like in my no, no, no. in my soul like it's like they why they they should just like drift off to the next phase of their lives um but they do and they do just like together for some reason <laughs> which seems like a bad idea but you do you scott <laughs> I the th- one of the things I love is Ramona drops out of the comic. It's like where'd she go? He everyone thinks she she went back to New York with Gideon, and that's like what happens in the uh, movie. But she didn't. She did the exact same thing Kim and Scott did, which is like go to the wilderness. But she mostly stayed around watching reruns on TV and eating too much. <laughs> Whereas Scott literally went out and had like a weird training arc and kissed Kim and got him over himself a little bit. It's very funny that she, when everyone else had like a moment, he just failed. She just failed to do anything. She just like I, I just went home and sat in my underwear for a while. It was fine. <laughs> That's how it is. Um, Sometimes that's all you need. Those two are made for each other derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. 
Um, the Gideon stuff is so weird. It's so hard. In the comic, it's really half-hearted. Like, look, he's he's like super possessive and like a vision of what Scott could be. But I don't really think he is. Um, I think the stuff it does about how like Scott, you're just another reason why X went to happen is is fine. Uh, but when he's got like his own girlfriends in like the cryostasis, uh, uh, I do I do love that he puts them on, and uh, you know. Uh, Zelda crystals, and then they all come out during Envy's final performance. Like, why is my phone dead? And call her <laughs> parents. So, I've been asleep since two thousand three. I have no yes. idea what's going on. <laughs> but uh, but it's only two thousand five in the comic or whatever. Uh, even though PSP it's not go, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so Gideon ends up coming off as like, I, he doesn't feel representative of any like thing that Scott has to face in himself. That's just happening. That's also happening, but like not in the Gideon stuff. Gideon just sucks and has to get beaten up, I guess, because um, mm-hmm. uh, he's just like, kind of outsized. Just written into the story, it's like, oh, there he's the last boss, so I guess we have to fight him. Uh, like the the best Gideon stuff is a bit where <clears throat> they're fighting and they're like, wait, Ramona's not with you. Ramona's not with. They realize Ramona's not with either of them. Uh, <laughs> that bit's a really good gag. Um, but the 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 actual like fight with Gideon and the the like mind control stuff uh is i i think the weakest part of um the way it all wraps up in in the movie being like a weird mind control chip that he just breaks like oh you're free of your ex-boyfriend's control he was obviously manipulating you it feels even dumber um that's a real edgar Wright thing i was like oh she had to have been literally abused mind controlled in like an explicit way and not the like more messy version that's going on in the comic um i feel like it just makes ramona a much less interesting character uh to put it all on the shitty guy who sucks. Um, well, all, all the bit where, like, all of the versions of Ramona that she's been have to gang up and beat up Gideon is just really good. Like, it's, you know, she does not have that that arc in the, in the movie at Yeah, all. she just has the, like, the chip that, that blows up, but doesn't have the part where it's like, yeah. well, yeah, you do well, control me. When she does when she does fight Gideon, she, she just gets tossed in favor of Knives and Scott. Right. Which is why the ending's so weird, where he doesn't actually... Like, the ending's designed around him getting back with knives. Uh, but um, <laughs> they just don't do that, because they realize it'd be really bad. It would be um, really bad. Oh, yeah. correct. Um, yeah, it's very strange, because, like, that bit in the, in the, in the comic's really good. Uh, as, as, like, you know... Um, you do... Like, there are still... No matter how shitty and, like, controlling and weird you are to me, there will still... They're, they're still being a part of me that likes you doesn't actually mean anything or ultimately give you any power over me uh that's just a, that's just being a person fuck off uh it's really good in the yes. comic um and obviously like that's just not just its absence is felt <laughs> yeah no you're right um it's also sad that uh the roxy fight just doesn't exist in the same way in the movie Mm-hmm. I do like the um, the bit where uh, Ramona fights using Scott as like a puppet. I think that's really good. But I do miss the like opening of Legend of Kage, like samurai fight overseen by Knives' father, where she turns into Sonic animals when she explodes. I should have put that in. <laughs> it's really good. It's such a good bit. Uh... All the stuff where like Scott ends up briefly hanging out in Lisa's apartment. Um, and then Roxy ends up staying with Ramona and they're both like, cause they're on the kind of the outs. That stuff is so good. It's like, I think it might be my favorite bit of the comic is like the peak drama happening. Well, there's the bit where in Lisa's apartment, like Lisa had a crush on Scott in high school. And then like, he was being a kind of a perv to her in, in, in when he saw her in the, uh, in, in the mall. 
But she was like, damn, this this boy I had a crush on in high school is like actually into me because I was wearing a like a pretty slutty dress that day. This rules. <laughs> um, and is like pushing it with Scott. And then like it cuts away and he he sees it as like a moral victory that instead of hooking up with her because he's still in this nebulous space with Ramona, he just dumped all his embarrassing bullshit onto her. And he thinks like, man, I'm I'm so much better. And then he goes to Ramona and um Roxy's just there and they've probably hooked up. <laughs> And not really thought about it that much because it, it's like a low stakes thing. Uh, and he's like, damn, how could this happen to me? I think that stuff's really good. That stuff's so fucking good. Um, yeah. I think of the movie, one of the like, like, one of the decisions that only becomes weird in the retrospective reading the comic is it takes the like weird, like pushing the back of uh, Envy's knee because uh, it's one of us like spots when you're making out onto Roxy in a way that I feel like is weird. It doesn't work at all. Because then it becomes like a weird joke about, uh, you know, her um, bicarious phase and not yeah. a point about the ways that Scott like holds onto these things as a way of like having an advantage in these uh, relationships. Um, it, it's just very strange the way it's the, the movie sometimes like uses ideas that were resonant in the comic and like just strips them of everything but keeps the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll like, and then, then keeps a lot of the stuff I, I find fluff uh it keeps the vegan police which is like a funny bit but it's not important <laughs> but takes out the part where todd's uh right making out with the uh, drummer which is the which actual is good bit yes. of that is that like yeah. she's all todd's already cheating on you and you don't even know it and it, it like envy doesn't have the interiority she has in the comic yeah i i mean she's like one of the most interesting characters i love the stuff after the, all that fight happens and she just hangs around trying to figure out what her life's gonna look like now the bit where she uh, hugs Todd at the end, not Todd, uh, hugs uh, Scott at the end of the comic, and Scott's like, closure! Because <laughs> it's, so it's not really closure, but Scott will take it, I guess. It's, it's his idea of what closure is. Because like, in the third book, when she leaves, he, he was like, she could have like, hugged me or anything. I don't feel like I have closure right now. I love that because she's, le- she's driving away being like, see you later, Pilgrim, wearing his hoodie, and he doesn't think that's closure because he's an idiot. <laughs> yes that's that's closure you got it you just don't know how to see it uh it's really good uh yeah but um i guess i don't have too much more other than you know more just distinct uh oh we've given out about the movie a lot i think it's really funny i had a great time rewatching it even with the part where like the last 20 minutes i think really just don't hold up at all um we famously on our other podcast blockbusters watch hot rewatch hot fuzz and really didn't like it this time. And it's like, did Edgar Wright ever make a good movie? And it's like this one. Yes, because he didn't write any of it because <laughs> it's all just dialogue lifted from the comic. And every actor is just giving 120% at all times. It still holds up really well. I think. Uh, yeah. That's that whole, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, that's actually hilarious. Uh, yes. <laughs> all, all the Chris Evans, Lucas Lee stuff is, is perfect. It's so good. Yeah, because that's that's um, the one whole of the... bit with his stunt. The, the bit with his stunt team where he pulls the guy around. And it's a stunt man is so funny to me. Still, it's really good. The best stunt double gag is when uh, he says, "You guys want coffee?" And they all respond in his voice, like, "No, I'm good. I'm no, fine." No, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Uh, him him coming out with the real Universal logo because they use the uh, fake video game one at the beginning of the movie also is really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, that's just that whole sequence is a standout of the movie. Um, and then there's another situation of like I do I think the the compression 
hurts it because in the in the movie by that time Ramona's already opened up and like told Scott about Lucas and they've watched his movies to prepare for this specifically and it's like a bonding point of them sharing these things whereas in the movie it's like she never told me about you and now I've got to fight you and blah 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 it doesn't like they don't have the like bonding as an actual relationship in the film uh one of the things i really think is funny as like a choice is the comic wallace is like yeah he's a really cool skater and he became kind of a sellout now whatever because like we watch his movies and they're kind of crappy but in the movie it's very cool that he sold out and became a movie star (laughs) like peak hollywood choice to me and then Uh, he sold out and became a movie star yes uh you know what i have no problem chris evans it's weird because like uh, we just watched Knives Out for uh, Blockbusters mm-hmm. and talked about how weird it is because he's a. He, I think he's a great actor. He's got great charisma, but he looks yeah. like that, so it's weird in movies. Um, even back now, like pre all of the Marvel stuff really blowing up, he still looks like that. <laughs> yes. I, you know, even when he was just Human Torch, he still looked like that. It's just weird. Uh, the man has a strange career, uh, but I do like him in this. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, that, that stuff is definitely some of the funniest... Um... At least out of the movie original stuff, because uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of gags that just we we just we just shot the comic. It was already it was already really well written, so we just shot the comic. <laughs> uh, didn't need to change much. Um, no, like I said, I really like the young Neil stuff. Um, I think the guy they got for Steven is really funny. Um, the bit where he's like, "For the band, for the band, for the band," uh, I think it's just delivered really well. I think all the like. Like rapid fire dialogue aside, all really work. I think they're really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, was 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 uh, Wallace texting in his sleep in the comic? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's such a good gag. Yeah, um, the bit where he's like, oh, uh, don't don't tell my sister." He's like, "You know me." As he goes in the bathroom and she immediately calls. Good, I love all that. Yeah, the part where Wallace, like Wallace and Scott's like teenage sister, are like thick as thieves is really funny to me <laughs> no explanation i mean even in, in the comic wallace and uh, ramona become fucking more bros than ramona yes. and scott at some point because they're having drama but she can just hang out with wallace um wallace is just so much more present in everyone's lives yep but also like in the comic like scott's the one who cooks right like which isn't in the movie like I feel like Scott Pilgrim makes more sense as a dateable boy in the comic than he does in the movie. Uh, yeah. There are reasons for you to hang out with him. I mean, the, the Michael Sarah casting is just weird. Um, yeah. Yes. At the time, because I hadn't read the comic, I was like, oh, it's totally fine, it works. But he's just such a different kind of awkward than Scott yeah. is. And I don't, I don't like dislike. I think he's really good in the movie, but yeah. um, it is weird. It's just, yeah, it's a different character as opposed to like the more manic Scott in the, the comics. Because I, I have no, yeah. I have, I have known some Scott Pilgrims in my fucking life, and none of them are anything like Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah, like Michael Sarah is so much for the joke of he's like the soft, quiet boy, and then he can fight. Like that's literally why they cast him, right? I mean, he's good in the role, but like it's the it's the juxtaposition of Michael Sarah's like aura as like non-threatening guy in a action comedy that is why they got him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I get it for the movie. It's, it's not like it like breaks it or anything, but I would I would not describe comic book. Uh, Scott Pilgrim is like a mumblecore guy in the way <laughs> that uh, Michael Sarah is like, that's his cultural thing. Yeah. Brian Lee O'Malley was not writing about mumblecore guys. No. Period. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> and it's not like that's like the tone of the movie take, it's just like the, all of the casting. The movie's still like yeah. written like the, the comic.
But uh, yeah, it's good. I like the soundtrack a lot. I know you're less keen on it. Yeah, the, the songs all suck. Um, you're wrong. They're great. What are you talking about? Well, the the the, the songs that um, Sex and Bomb plays are all bad. It's um, kind of the point. No, like they're not. Them. They're bad in the wrong way. They don't. I don't know. But it, it I, just it's just me. It, I just don't like that this specific kind of indie rock. I was in a different I band think, at the exact same time. I think time. they're like legitimately good. I've listened to the soundtrack a thousand times. Um, and I've been humming like Garbage Truck over and over again. Oh, Garbage Truck, the Ramona. worst fucking song in the movie. And oh, it's Ramona. so terrible. Ramona's so good. You... No, it's, yeah, I know. It's, it's great. terrible, but it's also great. Give me oh. shit about my music taste all the time. And you're here like, oh, I want to take a ride on my garbage truck. Fucking awful. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, you know, look, I listen to a lot of crappy indie rock in the aughts, and this is one of them. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the Ramona song is genuinely really good. The like credits one. Um and, it's written uh, by does Beck, I think. Yeah, Beck did like all the sex bomb stuff is like Beck written. Yeah, um, and then uh, the Clash of Demon Head being uh, Metric. Like this was my introduction introduction to Metric, and uh, they're great. Obviously, like that's an actual famous band that most people like. So, mm-hmm. the actual music pulls are like so much more eclectic and weird in the movie. It's very funny. Um, I don't dislike any of them, like you know, but. Uh, they are they are kind of strange sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Um, if you've never read it, I mean, I feel like more people have watched the movie than read it. People should actually absolutely read this. It's really good. Yeah, so it's also a pretty it, quick read. It's a breezy read. Yes. Like I read it all in a night. Yeah, it's real easy to read in in the way of the like its influences, right? In the way that you can just read some digestible manga. Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. it, it's just doing that. Yep. Um. Yeah. Uh, and then if, if you like this, like I really like seconds and uh, I've not kept up with Snot Girl, but I did like the Snot Girl I've read. Um, mm. Brian Lee O'Malley's just making good comics. I I also really like his his first uh, book, uh, Lost at Sea. Like yeah. that one's about him, about like being a bit younger than like Scott Pilgrim is. But at least at the time I read it, that one resonated a lot more with me because um, mm. I was in the early college years when when i first started reading this yeah uh seconds is basically like a girl who left through time story it's really good that's good i do like a girl who left through time (laughs) yes yeah she works at a restaurant and she's able to like she can make a certain type of mushroom that lets her redo things she writes down in a notebook well that uh, probably won't go bad and then some of my (laughs) (laughs) i love stories stories are so simple (laughs) yeah uh it's really good um and then uh, Snot Girl's about a, like Instagram influencers and their weird drama and also a murder mystery, at least the, the first arc, two arcs I read. Yeah, um, I've, read, I've read the beginning of it, but I haven't kept up. Yeah. So uh, I should go back that has, to it. That has fantastic art. Um, oh, yeah. He's not draw that one. He only uh, writes it. Um, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I guess that's it. Thank you for coming through. This was great to revisit. I'm glad it held up and I was glad yeah. to be able to read the color one. I was, yeah, I wanted to revisit this because... It was like an obsession of mine through like five years after reading it, like through college, because I read it like right at the beginning of my first year of college when it like the last book came out right before the movie. Mm-hmm. And then now that I'm basically through the phase that Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> the story goes through mm-hmm. now that I'm looking back on sort of like those years of my own life, I wanted to like revisit it and see like how it held up in. Now it's like going back to it with a different nostalgic lens of like all the inter friend stuff was what I really latched onto this time because it's like 
I've lived that already, like the different way that people coming in, in and out of like a friend group where you're all, there's the core group and then there's people that come in and out and like little people get introduced and then they're part of the group and then they leave. Yep. It was all really good this time reading it now that I'm in my early 30s. Um, oh, the one thing I think that the book's really good about is, um, and the movie is not about the weird ups and downs of just being a poor 20 something is like Wallace takes Scott out for sushi all the time. Sushi's expensive. I love sushi, but like in my poorest, my most boom and bust period of my 20s, I ate the most sushi. I had the most times where I would just be like, fuck it. We barely afford like to live, but I'm going to go out and eat on Friday night because it's Friday night and I've had the worst week in the world. Um, that's what it is to be poor and young. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. When you've got a shitty apartment, you're going to fucking eat some sushi sometimes. Yeah. There's like one big party where like literally the entire cast all goes and has sushi together and it's really good. Because um, like, yeah, that's what, it, that's what it is to be young. Sometimes you spend money on really stupid shit you shouldn't. Um, yeah. Or I do like, that way more often back then. <laughs> when, whenever they're at the the like the bar the sneaky d's i think as mm -hmm. just as a group sitting at a table talking and like yes. oh a person comes up and just sits down and it's like i've lived that over and over yeah uh yeah it's weird going back to this uh like when i read it like i was in it you know i like 2010 i was 25 yeah um and now just like 15 years removed from being scott pilgrim age or whatever it is uh it's like it's like it's like looking on a whole other way of being. It's like so removed. It's I'm very nostalgic for these kids. I'm glad they're okay. When Knives shows up and she's just like put together, 18 years old, wearing her cool boots, I'm like, man, Knives is the coolest person in the world. I'm glad she's over these losers. She she has so much ahead of her, whereas these yeah. people are like living the the best years of their lives. She's going off to college. Marks. Yeah, she's gonna go off to college and she's gonna do something that doesn't involve these idiots. And maybe it'll be messy and maybe it'll be whatever, but it's not gonna be stuck here listening to this shitty band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. um, she looks up to them so much at the start of it. She's like, I love that. Like, she's the... like, I didn't even, I didn't even know good music existed three weeks ago. <laughs> I think is a great line. It's really funny. Um, in the movie, shout out to actually in the comic too. Shout out to Nice's friend who just puts up with her oh, uh, histrionics the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's always really funny. Um, all right. Um, next month we are watching Psychopath the movie. Ooh, That's right. A guest. Um, Very nice. I'm excited because we've talked about it a couple times on GGP, but have never formally covered it. Uh, this will be my third time watching it, so I'm really excited. I'm probably going to try to read some fan and also, but we're not going to talk about that on the podcast, probably. Let's <laughs> do it. Um, if you are watching that, recently reading, so. uh, please watch it subtitled. Yes. Yeah. There <laughs> is a dubbed, say, there, yes, there's a dubbed version out there that like... So I, a bit about that movie. The movie has characters speaking English a lot. Um, and there's a version out there, if you're getting on Torrance, um, that uses the dub for the English bits. Don't you watch don't that want version. that. It's, <laughs> it's genuinely important to the film that the characters are speaking English poorly in it. Yes. Um, uh, and we'll talk about why that's important when we talk about it next month. <laughs> um, normally, I'd say whatever, do what you want. But I think this one genuinely is like the text of the film is about this. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's my advice is even if you're normally a, a dub watcher, I would um, give this one a shot subtitled. I think it plays a lot better here. Um, yeah. And I'm very excited to talk about it because, yeah, we watched it and we had like a brief conversation with GDP, but I've had multiple requests, people saying, where'd you talk about Psychopath? And if you always bring it up and uh, we're going to do it next month. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're gonna do it next month. It'll <laughs> be great. Um, Chris, do you have any plugs? Uh, no, I have like anti posters brain where oh, I yeah. my brain stops me from posting anything. Yeah, fair enough. I wish you're I allowed. Know. It's legal. So I I'm free of plugs. All right, uh, Jackson. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Headfalls Off uh, on Twitter, on co-host, on wherever, you know, we'll see what the websites exist next week. Um, <laughs> I'll probably be Headfalls Off on them. Uh, I made a link tree so you can find my shit. That is also Headfalls Off. Um, and you can find the podcast that I did with them at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Coast at em underscore being. Uh, if you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com social mapping. For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project. We're currently watching SD Gundam Force and Digimon Tamers. We have about six weeks left of that. Uh, for $5, you get Blockbusters. We recently covered Knives Out. Uh, we talked about Hot Fuzz there. Um, apologies if you really like Hot Fuzz because we were not nice to it. Um, for $10, you get VoIP Life where every two weeks we kind of sit down and goof off and have a fun time. We have to record one of those soon. Don't know what it's going to be about. We'll figure it out. I'll probably talk, uh, talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. Uh, you played that. I have not. Um, I'll be interested to talk about that. Uh, that's everything. Thank you so much. We'll be back in a month. Uh, tell your friends. I don't know. We have a bunch of episodes. If you've not gone back to our backlog, this is uh, the weirdest podcast in the world. <laughs> I wouldn't say in the world, but yes, it is definitely yeah. strange. Especially if, if you listen to this, but you don't listen to like Gundam. Uh, I bet like, it's a very why weird is podcast. It like this? Yeah. Um, so sorry about that. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Uh, Scott Pilgrim game is pretty good too, but you really want someone to play it with. That, that's my it's okay. The soundtrack's good. You can just download oh, yeah. the soundtrack. I mean, the soundtrack is so much better than the actual video game. The video game's a fun time. It's um, fine. It's fine. It, 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 gained, it, it gained a legend by not being able to get it for oh, so no, long. I'm, I mean, I played it and finished it before it went away. So yes. like, my opinion is from when yeah. it released and I had a good time playing it by myself and was like, ah, this would be much better if I had someone else to play it with. Uh, it, ends, it ends on Gideon turning into a Sephiroth, though, and that's pretty sick. I didn't get the final level, so there you go. Oh, he goes full on like one-winged angel mode in the final boss fight. It's really good. That's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that's it. Uh, goodbye.
Just roll it away